You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Hey everybody, welcome back to Native Plants Healthy Planet. This is your host, Tom Knezic. This week we have another Franless episode. Uh, My Little Pony on Ice is coming to town. They're coming to Philadelphia. And Fran said, I need to take a couple days off to get in the right mental state uh, before going to this show. So he's off and uh, and I'm recording the episode solo once again. And uh, I'm actually in Louisville, Kentucky for the Eastern Native Grassland Symposium, which is one of my favorite conferences when it comes to native landscapes. Really just, it, it's great people, uh, some of the best and brightest minds when it comes to native grasslands and prairies and meadows and, and even using native grasses as cattle forage are right here at this conference. And I love coming down and uh, hanging out with old friends and making new friends as well. Some of the new friends uh, that were really old friends, but people I got to meet in person for the first time are Kyle Leibarger and Shannon Trimboli, uh, Kyle from the Native uh, Habitat Project, and Shannon uh, from Backyard Ecology Podcast, and then uh, also works with the Southeastern Grasslands Institute. They had a name change. It's now Southeastern Grasslands Institute, not initiative, uh, which is really, really big news for them. And a little shout out to them right now. They just had their fifth birthday, and they're doing a fundraising campaign to help buy more remnant prairies. So if you want more information on that, we're going to have it in the show notes. But also make sure you check out their social media programs because there's links right there on how you can donate. And whether it's $5 or $500 or $5,000, that money is going directly into an organization that is doing such great work preserving historic prairies and creating some new prairies in the southeast in the United States, uh, which is quite a bit bigger than you might expect as well. But we had an awesome time uh, meeting up in person for this conference and said it would be remiss of us uh, if we didn't sit down and record a little something and then we had to argue over who was going to release it and, and I won the arm wrestling match that we had. So you're going to hear it on Native Plants Healthy Planet. We had a great conversation just talking about what got us started in native plants and how we wanted to start spreading that message. Why did we want to reach out to different people? And then who were the people that were listening to us? We also talk a little bit about cultivars, how we handle our own home gardens. Uh, it was a really fun conversation. Awesome to meet these guys in person. Can't wait to hang out with them again. And I know you're really going to enjoy it. So with that, let's kick into it. All right. So this is the first time in a while uh, we've been at a live conference. We're at the Eastern Native Grassland Symposium. And uh, it's also the first time that I've gotten to meet someone super famous in, in person right here so and have you two met before in person or just uh no just online yeah it's covid with all that it's like everyone was meeting remotely which was a bad thing but also a good thing in a way because being in new jersey we were able to connect with people from kentucky and alabama and and all over the place and uh with our podcast it really grew but yeah like i said you'll say that but i was listening to both of y'all's podcasts (laughs) before like i even you know was starting making videos and stuff so so, but yeah, we should probably introduce everyone who's here. So I'm I'm Tom Knezic, and I'm one of the hosts of the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast. Yeah, Kyle Labarger, and uh, I guess I'm one of the hosts of the Native Habitat podcast and uh, Native Habitat Project. Create a bunch of content. So. Yep, Shannon Trimboli, host of Backyard Ecology podcast and blog and YouTube channel. Yeah. So, but uh, we were all 
here at this conference and then said, well, we should do something together since it's the first time we've met each other in, in person. And, uh, and Fran's missing out. My co-host Fran is definitely missing yeah. out on this. But uh, so we said, hey, let's carve out some time. And one of the topics we figured we could discuss is the approaches we kind of took towards, uh, well, one, starting our podcast, in Kyle's case, dealing with social media. And you have your blog, Shannon. And, uh, and we do a little bit of all three. Um, and just kind of promote the message of native plants and, uh, and why people should be using them more often than they are. So, um, yeah, that's what I figured we'd talk about for now, and then we're going to go have lunch. So <laughs> as hunger is the, the deciding factor on how long this goes, I think. Yeah, but, I, it's cool because I think we're all from different backgrounds and started out differently, but y'all are definitely more focused on podcasts, and y'all, y'all both have that down pat. And mm-hmm. we're, still, we're still learning. Our podcast is still in its infancy. So Yeah. And yeah, I think you're always learning, though. I mean, I know I'm yeah. still learning a lot of stuff with mine as well. Yeah, and what I've always liked is um, is we all have different styles for how we do everything, mm-hmm. too. Is But just in the podcast in general, uh, ours, we wanted it to be relatively unpolished because um, we're goofy and say a lot of things that are wrong and, and admit to our mistakes. And we wanted to kind of show that you can make mistakes and that's okay. Um, that was part of our charm. And, uh, and a lot of bad jokes, too, is the other part of our drum. <laughs> but I always appreciate listening to Shannon's podcast and Backyard Ecology because it was a lot more polished. One of the things I always bug Fran about is, hey, we should do like a lead-in. After we record, hey, let's do a lead-in and say, hey, this is what we talked about. And then, uh, and then at the end, mm-hmm. kind of have like another break and do a little outro, which is what you do. And I yes. really appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks. So, what yeah. made you decide to do that? Well, with... My first approach was I wanted to be able to, one, learn myself, because I'm always looking to learn and stuff, but also I wanted, I know there's a lot of research out there that isn't always accessible, that I wanted mm-hmm. to be able to bring in, really bring in that scientific part as well, but make it accessible so that everybody could understand it and could easily get that, act, that information because you can't always get the journal articles mm-hmm. um, with it. And then just my approach has evolved from there. First, I didn't do the lead-ins, mm-hmm. really. And then now I've started doing more lead-ins because I had somebody um, email me and say, hey, I really liked this particular episode. And I kind of got the idea from the beginning that it was about spotted lanternflies, that one. Mm-hmm. She's like, I kind of got the idea that spotted lanternflies were bad, but it would have been nice to know from the beginning why. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh, well, yeah, duh, I shouldn't just make the assumption that everybody knows that. And so I started putting that mm-hmm. why and that hook in there, and it really has evolved out of what my audience is telling me they mm-hmm. want. And when you really dive into, like, the marketing things, when they're like, oh, you need to tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them what you need to tell them, and then tell them what you told them, that's what you do. That's yes. not what we do at all. And <laughs> Kyle, you guys kind of take our approach, I think, more oh, than gosh. anything. But uh, it's fun because it weaves you down this. We'll go through paths that are that are not what we where we expected yeah. to go for sure. But yeah. I think mine. I think the lead-in also works better for something like what I'm doing because we'll go down rabbit holes, but they're all very they're all within the same ballpark mm-hmm. and on the same topic down the rabbit holes. Um, half the time I don't know what we're going to talk about specifically, but it's about a single topic. With both of your all's podcasts. You start out on one thing, like you said, you never know where you're going to end up. And it's really hard to do 
that kind of intro, I think, mm-hmm. with that type yeah. of a podcast. But it makes your house podcast so much fun, too. Yeah, no, it's definitely a lot of fun to record. And uh, the other thing that I think is unique is we all consume each other's mm-hmm. content for, yeah. for the most part. Um, but definitely, like, whenever I get a chance to listen to either your podcast is when I do it. Uh, sometimes I have to dive out of the world of native plants and into something yeah. else. There's a music podcast that Fran and I actually both listen to called uh, What Makes This Song Stink. And it's the guy just breaks down bad songs and uh, sometimes hit songs that were bad songs and just really just demolishes them and says why it was bad. And we both enjoy that. So that's our deviation away from native plants. But yeah. it's, it's crazy how much... You know, there's so many different forms of content you can create. And, and last week, uh, I had Joe from Plant Wave. He was down in Alabama. And so he was like the first other creator, I guess, that's been in my backyard, Prairie. And we kind of were off doing some other things. And he was at my pond by himself. And he, I get back, and he's created all this content. And it's like totally different from the content I make. And it's like incredible, like really, really awesome stuff. Great footage. And it was cool to see that somebody could take something that I'm walking through every single day and creating content and, and make their own content that's so different from what I make. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, you know, we're all able to work and, you know, have native plant, pretty much native plant ecosystem podcast and have such different takes on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've, I know we've talked to a lot of the same people in addition to talking to each other as well. Um, but we'll talk to some of the same people, but it, it ends up being a different message. And I know just from uh, talking to you guys, our listener groups, there's a lot of crossover. Actually, mm-hmm. one of our listeners, who was actually one of our guests too, this guy Russ Fanari, um, he's the one who turned me on to your podcast. I'd, I'd heard of it, but I hadn't listened to it at that point. And he's like, I was just listening on the way down, and I really, you need to listen to this too. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. And I was going on drive later that I put it on. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is really cool because you really address uh, – the big elephant in the room that nature is not elsewhere it's in your backyard i think that's mm-hmm. actually what you say yeah. along yeah. something along those lines mm-hmm. and um and that's hey i the, my one of my biggest failures so far is that i made the claim that my son was only going to have toys of native wildlife and <laughs> it hasn't really happened but <laughs> uh, hey I've, I've made that claim too already and uh Oh, were we with you? Yeah, just the other night when we found out that foxes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one threw me off. Cause I, I haven't fact-checked that yet, but yeah. that was interesting. And, Shannon, you weren't there, but we I were having either. dinner with uh, another one of our guests who I think Kyle's going to link up with some point, guy Nate uh, Champagne from Mount Cuba Center. He manages mm-hmm. their natural lands. And uh, we were just talking about invasive species and all this. And he's like, oh, yeah, I don't think red foxes are a native species. Mm-mm, they're not. And we then, had gray foxes yeah, native to yeah. here, but not the red foxes. Red foxes were introduced because um, the way I understand it is that when the Europeans came over, they wanted to be able to hunt fox. But yeah. our gray foxes will climb trees. And, well, you can't chase foxes the way they did <laughs> yeah. back in England if yeah. your foxes are climbing trees. So they brought the red fox over. Yeah. But, yeah, we were just, like, mind-blown sitting there. Yeah. Never even considered it. Which uh, And then I joked around with Kyle saying, oh, some of these uh, we can't, can't get rid of all the predators arguments on his native habitat manager's pager. Yeah. Going to go down <laughs> go down the tube now. Yeah. But, yeah. But, that, uh you know, I probably would. I'll, we're having a little boy in December, and I probably would have let him have foxes 
you know, all yeah. his toys and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and uh, now I'm going to have to think twice about it. But <laughs> I probably won't be able to go through it just like you. Yeah, it's, you can't stop grandma and aunts and uncles from giving slaws <laughs> and lions and yeah. all kinds of stuff. You should just stick with bears. Like, okay, you can... Although yeah. I gave my wife a hard time because she decorated... This is right before he was born and the nursery's decorated and she did it all. I felt like help paint. That was it. She did it all and there's like black bears and brown bears and I'm like, you know, they don't really cross over in their habitats. <laughs> they're, they're not usually in the same place. So maybe you should stick with one and not the other. But uh, I was more or less giving her a hard time. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. It, but, it, it's just crazy that people don't think about that kind of stuff you know like yeah. my, my wife she's like she's like you think that i think like you and normal people don't think like you and so it's yeah. a good it's good to have wives like that because it's a good reality check. yeah and that's been um one of my sounding boards for like talking about when we're trying to we're, we're doing this to educate people uh, or help educate people and lead them into native plants get them excited about native plants like we're excited about native plants yeah my wife has been a really good metric for if what I'm saying is appropriate or not because she's she was a high school English teacher she wasn't in native plants until she met me and still kind of isn't but I could tell if I said something that got her uh, excited about native plants I could tell that okay that's probably going to work for a lot of our demographic Um, and then it was interesting this is another thing I told Kyle the other night is like She's telling me all this stuff that Kyle's saying on his TikTok and on Instagram. And I'm like, I've told you this the other day, and you're not like, how come it didn't resonate when I said it? It took someone else to say it. But um, but that was where it really stood out to me how your videos were making a huge, huge difference. Yeah. Was you kind of just like that it was ending up in our home. Someone I'd communicated with a little bit online yeah. was now in ending up on our home and. I'm like even when I pull out my phone I'm seeing that kind of stuff on a regular basis and um and it was cool to see that too having not met you but known who you were beforehand yeah. and I, I try to I don't know what led me to that but I, I try I try to make content that's you know accessible to everybody and and uh that'll be fine and that, it's oh, I, I thought well, it was like an announcement so yeah we I did keep, uh <laughs> I can keep going uh but so you know I th- it probably comes from like my background, you know. I I, I was a uh, I had a pretty diverse background. Went to went to uh, a lot of schools, you know. I went to several different colleges, and and most of them weren't, you know, like a lot of the people there didn't look like me, and and so I, I you know I just blended right in, and and you know had a great time there for forestry school, and so I I learned how to like navigate, you know, people who had different views and stuff than me I just like didn't have any debates with them didn't mm-hmm. have any you know we just had a great time together in forestry school and and our diff- differences never even came up and so I think I try to reflect that in, into the content I create that you know it's you know understood by you know a broad spectrum of people and not just people who think like I do mm-hmm. um, but I don't know so. I, it's, it wasn't intentional I just 
Yes. Yeah. That's something yeah. that will be really interesting to dive into. Probably not now, but at some point is, uh, if you don't know, but Kyle went to a, a historically black college or university. Mm-hmm. Was he college or university? university. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, D1, D1 school. So Okay. I was yeah. the only D1 athlete in my family full of sports people, and I was oh. on, the, on the timber sports team. Yeah. So yeah. I get to make a joke at all those, all my cousins right. who are really good athletes. Yeah. But one of the things we've addressed a couple times is the lack of diversity yeah. in mm-hmm. just, not even just native plants, but the outdoor field as a whole. Um, yeah. yeah, that would be a cool thing to dive into at some point is yeah. is where a lot of your classmates ended Man. up and, and all that. Yeah, yeah. I've wanted to dive off into that too because yeah. it was so cool because I was at the, I got to see the origin of that, you know, uh, which a lot of the guys I was there with and the guys and girls were already had a, you know, background in, uh, forestry like you know down in south alabama there's there's so many like loggers and farmers and people of color who are who are who are outdoors and and know the landscape and then they go to school and and it just it makes sense to them and so they because they've already experienced a lot of the stuff out in the outdoors and so some of them were like that some of them you know had no clue and had to learn it all from the beginning but it was really neat watching everybody help each other out mm-hmm. and, and uh no, there was no issues there whatsoever. It was I, I loved my time at Alabama A&M and uh, and uh, just met a bunch of good guys and, and they all a lot of those guys work for the yeah. Forestry Service. Now. Yeah. So and Kyle's laughing because uh, and Chan and I talked about this earlier. We did a moth night on our podcast and I was saying, oh yeah, the ambiance was actually really cool. I was worried about like the crickets and like yeah. all the, the night sounds from the outside. Like kind of overpowering what we were saying at times that people would be like turned off by it and uh a lot of people liked it and no one wrote in and said they didn't like it yeah. and i was like i don't know if a, a conference background is gonna have the same yeah, ambiance and we're, we're in the big city and you know there's just a I, yeah. I felt really out of place like i was looking at my window and it was like all concrete and i'm like i feel like i'm in a prison uh, like, yeah yes and yeah. all the lights at night and it's like impossible to sleep because it's too bright yeah yeah, yeah. So now, Shannon, you started out. Was it uh, the first thing I saw you did was an Instagram page, but it was that wasn't yeah. the first thing you did. I've actually never done Instagram. No, I nope. could have sworn. No, I, I thought s- I saw an Instagram page that was called Backyard Ecology. It wasn't mine. If it was, Interesting. yeah, huh. I started out with um, a blog that was actually called something else that morphed into the Backyard mm-hmm. Ecology blog, um, and then started the podcast. Um, after that, okay, yeah, I've been I've been misattributing that Instagram. I'm gonna make sure I'm like looking at the right thing. Well, I forgot. She, well, I, you put your foot in your mouth, and I forgot that she was working at SGI. Like, yeah, I was yeah. like, I saw you this morning at the table, and I, it still didn't click mm-hmm. for some reason. But uh, I, the way I found both of y'all is that um, I started a native plant nursery, and uh, and so I was trying to get my wife interested in native plants. So. Anytime I could get her like stuck in the car with me, uh, I'd play podcasts. And so I'd look on, you know, Apple Podcasts and search native plants. And so I just started following like all the podcasts that popped up that were mm-hmm. active. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was both of y'all. So I started, yeah. so I started listening to y'all and yeah. playing it. So this yeah. isn't your Instagram <laughs> Instagram page? No, that's actually somebody else's. Yeah, really? I always thought this was the same thing. I'm like, oh, cool. No. Because I n- remember I saw them follow our uh, our Instagram page for Pineless Nursery. And then I was like, oh, they put up a lot of cool pictures. And mm-hmm. when people follow us, I, when I get a chance, I check them out to see 
like, especially when it's like not someone's name, when it's a, a business, just yeah. see, hey, is this someone that we should have a relationship with? And yeah. then shortly after I saw the podcast pop up, I just assumed it was the same. Yeah, you yeah know I not, didn't realize there was one. Yeah. You know, it, you know, it's not Shannon because it didn't have the blue check mark. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that means you're verified. That oh, you're, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you've made it. Through. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. see, I learned about you were talking about how you learned about my podcast, Kyle. I learned about your podca- podcast, but or learned about you specifically. This yeah. was before you started the podcast, but I learned about you and the Native Habitat Project by listening to Native mm-hmm. Plants Healthy Planet and yeah, yeah. hearing your episode with them. Actually, yeah, I think it's when we had you on, or maybe we were on your podcast. Well, the first time we really chatted, yeah, we're like, hey, we just talked to Kyle. That's someone who's really in your neck of the woods. As far as we know, being from New Jersey, I think like you're both in the southeast. Kentucky, so, Alabama, sure. <laughs> there's only a narrow state in between. Yeah. But um, so we're like, that's someone you probably talk to because mm-hmm. we found out Kyle was doing some really cool stuff. Way more yeah. than we even knew well, from you, afar. You're, uh, you, you know, Tom and Fran, y'all, y'all were, I guess, the ones who, I think maybe the first, one of the first podcasts I was on. I can't remember. Which mm-hmm. I was on both of y'all's at the very beginning. I, y'all might have been the first two I was on. But uh, you, y'all said you should start a podcast, and I was like, oh no, like I could, I knew I couldn't do it by myself. And then when Jake came, you know, started working with me and stuff, and he was really good with sound and all that, so it kind of made sense then. But at the time, you know, uh, it seemed like such a far-fetched idea. But um, and then I was just making videos at that time, and so y'all were, y'all were, uh, I guess y'all sold those shirts, yeah. and uh, yeah. and. And helped us out, and man, it just like, uh, I guess that gave gave me the feeling like, hey, I'm doing something, and it's actually, you know, people want to support it mm-hmm. and, and believed in us. So that was that was awesome. Y'all were a huge help in the in the beginning. Yeah, and that was, um, I'll go back like with our podcast. I, the only reason and I've told this story before. The only reason we started our podcast is because I was listening to another podcast, and they had uh, Dr. Dwayne Estes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, and I was actually because Dwayne had. Do you guys call him Dwayne or Dwayne? Dwayne. Dwayne. Not Dwayne. Dwayne. I always called him Dwayne, but I wasn't sure if it was yeah, the him. accent or if it was actually how his name was pronounced. Yeah, call him Dwayne Estes. <laughs> That's almost as good as uh, as Kyle Lieberge. Yeah. Well, someone told yeah. me to call you. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I heard him, or he put it on LinkedIn. And I was like, oh, I just met him, so I listened to it, and I was like, well, I've I've met Dwayne. And I've, there's a lot of other cool people that are working for nonprofits or in private industry that have some really cool stories to tell. And uh, and Fran, or my co-host, had, had a music podcast. I'm like, we could do this. And we could kind of, there's so many people who are interested in buying our plants or learning more about native plants, but they can't buy from us because we're wholesale. We're dealing with these large restoration projects. And um, realistically, to take the time to work with someone who needed like 10 plants for their yard and, was a, a big time commitment for very very little uh, uh, money. I guess is really what it boiled mm-hmm. down to. Um, something we'd like to do, but we just couldn't like financially do. And um, and I was like, this is a way to connect those people with organizations where they can learn more about what they want to learn about. Yeah. And um, and so we we're like, let's create some messaging that uh, I've listened to a bunch of other. Uh, native plant podcast one being the native plant podcast i listen to uh what's uh in defense of plants uh-huh. mm-hmm. and even being in the industry i really love their podcast but even being in the industry there's stuff that was going over my head 
Yeah. And I'm like, oh, if we're trying to get more people into native plants, yeah. we need to talk on their level and get things that excite them. They might not care about native plants, but they might like butterflies, or they might mm -hmm. like hummingbirds, or they might like just being able to go in there out in their backyard and know what's going on. So we wanted to kind of present it that way. And then the t-shirt thing was basically like, well, yeah. it'd be cool to wear, wear that message and then promote native plants in another yeah. way. And then it was like, we don't need the money. We're getting paid to do this realistically because um, we're doing it on work time. And it was a way to kind of give to people who couldn't use it. And it was making it like we could give it to larger organizations, but it just wasn't going to go as far. Like yeah. giving it to you when you're just starting out. Yeah. Of I, I forget what we said. It was like $500,000. Like that makes a much bigger impact. 500000 yeah, <laughs> yeah, not five hundred thousand. That would that be nice. Five hundred or a thousand. That would have made a huge difference. I was, I was, difference. was gonna say, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that entire check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just the residuals. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just made a bigger impact than giving it to a really large yeah. organization where it was just gonna be a drop in the bucket and maybe it helped fund uh, one like the the bagels for one of their work days or something like yeah. that. So that's been our kind of mission was with the t-shirts. And it's cool, like you sent me a picture from someone down in Alabama wearing yeah. one of them, but I'm like. Had a, had a prescribed fire, uh, yeah. it was a prescribed burn manager training course that was for four days and this, it was a lady on the front row wearing, the, it was like plant native plants or whatever yeah. that had the Yell's podcast in the back. And then she was wearing one of your t-shirts the next yeah, day. Yeah, the next day she was wearing one of mine. And she right. was like, uh, she, wore, she knows Dwayne, uh, mm -hmm. And I wish I could, her name's skipping my brain right now, but she's doing a grassland restoration down mm -hmm. her way. And it all started because she was, you know, listening to these podcasts and, and uh, you know, consuming this content. She was like, wow, I've got a lot of this stuff in my backyard. So it's, right. it's cool to see uh, just everyday people getting interested in that. And she's going to get her prescribed burn training now. So she's mm -hmm. going to be mm -hmm. able to burn her own property. Like, how nice. cool is that? Like, yes. So, and then but, I guess you kind of mentioned that you, you when you started, but why did what was your reasoning for for starting the blog? Well, for me, education. I've got a wildlife biology background, but I've also got very much an education background. I've always wanted to mix those two together. I'm I'm not really the let's go teach in front of a classroom. I'm a my classroom's in the outdoors. My roof leaks sometimes. That's why we bring raincoats and. <laughs> the trees or the walls, those sorts of things. Uh, very much an in the field and formal educator. And I just wanted to share, share my love of the outdoors with more people than I could see in person or talk to in person. And so that's where I kind of started the blog with. And it was reaching the people like my mother, like my friends in other areas that um, had the questions. Mm -hmm. And so being able to share it like that, and then I had to blog for several years, then like I said, it morphed into the Backyard Ecology blog when I decided I was going to also start a podcast. And it took me a little bit longer to set up the podcast. It didn't go at the same time, but I started the podcast because I had started listening to podcasts myself. Mm -hmm. And I loved the native plant stuff, but like you said, there was there's some really good stuff out there, but a lot of it's more scientific or it was, for the entire country or the entire world. And mm -hmm. I wanted that, what can I find in a, somewhat near me, if mm -hmm. not right in my local area? And then it was the fact that I'm interested in everything. 
So I love the native plants, but I also like the butterflies and the bees and the songbirds and the and the and the and the, and the everything. Yeah. And I wanted something that kind of meshed it all together. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't finding anything like that. So I asked a few friends and family members and they were like, yeah, we want that too. And so I was like, okay, that's yeah. definitely the direction I'm going. Yeah. And Shannon, do you, do you suffer from, from this condition where when you're out on like hiking trails and you see just like people who are, uh, who are hiking with you and you give them like unsolicited facts about plants and, and animals? Or Everybody doesn't that, do that. You have that desire to at least. Maybe. Everybody doesn't do. I thought that was just like completely normal, and not just the people I'm hiking with, but whoever I see along yeah. the trail. Yeah. yeah, you can't let these people just like go on with their lives without knowing these things. And no. So yeah. I, I found I find that that's a lot of these people who have that strong desire to educate and and, and make the public known of things are those kind of people, and, and that happens to me all the time. I'm like. Oh, they're over there looking at that uh, that flower, and I want to tell them so badly what it is, so they appreciate it a little bit more. But mm -hmm. like, not all—I don't act on it all the time. Or my, my wife and daughter yeah. would get embarrassed, probably. But yeah. I definitely have that strong desire, and I feel like I felt like you were probably the same way. Yeah. So. I try and just limit it to my own family, and maybe yeah. I'll raise my voice a little bit so others can hear me. But, uh, but yeah, because yeah, there's so much really cool stuff out there, and even, yeah. even basic stuff, and it's like. You're walking by and other people are walking by and you're like i wonder if they know what really cool thing is right yeah. here that they can eat the grapes off that wild grapevine and, like, and they're walking right by and yeah but i mean one what's basic to us now was not basic to us when we first started mm -hmm. out so that's true yeah. you always have to remember that yeah some of the what we think of as pretty basic now is really cool and what it's got us mm -hmm. into and got us hooked to begin with but then i can also I've learned a lot of times what to look for when I meet people along the trail. And sometimes you can just tell. They want to know more. Yeah. They're interested. And yeah. then, of course, yeah, I'm going to stop. Now, if they're just kind of walking by and they don't seem interested, then I'm biting my lip and, <laughs> and just trying not to say anything and keep walking. But I find something else to distract me over there that's also <laughs> yeah. interesting. Yeah. That's an idea Jake and I have talked about is like showing up to these like parking areas and like a hiking trail. And then, like, finding a random person and be like, hey, can we walk with you and uh, yeah, t and show you like, mm -hmm. all these plants and stuff? That, it's funny you say that because one of the ideas, uh, I don't know if Fran likes it. I like it a lot. I think it would be a good idea. Is like I mentioned my wife. Not She's learned a lot of native plants, but she's relatively novice when it comes to native plants. Same thing with Fran's wife. She's learned some being married to Fran, but is relatively novice. They're actually both teachers. My thought was one summer, let's bring them in and do an episode where they interview them with the questions they have about native plants. And that'll kind of, because the questions mm -hmm. they have are probably going to be pretty similar to what that beginner entry level person is going to want to ask about native plants. And then we wanted to tie in like what's the most annoying things that we do when in, <laughs> in regards to native plants. It had to be really strict with that. Uh, only yeah. with native plants, not leaving my socks next to the hamper, not in the <laughs> hamper. Um, yeah. That's not what people want to hear about. It's, but yeah, it's a, mm -hmm. it's interesting. That's an interesting thought. Is like yeah. doing that kind of content where you're, you're addressing someone who's obviously interested in nature. Yeah, but might, might not be as far along as we are on mm -hmm. that journey. And even then, we all have different interests in nature. Yeah. Like Kyle and I both like the hunt I know you said your husband my husband that, hunts yeah but I don't think you do mm -mm. um I did a little bit in college but it just it wasn't my thing yep yeah that's yeah there's nothing wrong with that too no and sometimes I wish that it wasn't my thing because then I could appreciate all this other stuff it's mm -hmm. like 
Yeah. I really want to get down and check out what's going on over there, but I'm sitting in this tree right now, and I'm <laughs> not supposed to move. Some mm-hmm. some years, that's all you're doing is just sitting in trees. Yeah. So yeah. it just uh, you never actually you know kill anything. So it's just like you could just just sit there for hours yeah. and enjoy you know what's but, going on around you. Yeah. Yes. And there's something cool about that too, because it's like yeah, you're just observing and you're. Yeah. Things don't know you there. I've had like hummingbirds just come and hover right next to my face. I flinched because a hawk came in and like dive bombed right at me. <laughs> he was gonna land on the front yeah. of the tree stand, and then I flinched and he veered off real quick. I had a great horned owl that was maybe three feet above my head, and I don't know how long it was there. I only heard it as it got started to get dark and and started its hoot. That I'm like, oh crap, that's that's right there. Um, so there's some really cool stuff that you can observe that way, but you're not. You're observing. You're not necessarily mm. engaging yeah. when you're doing that. Maybe but. maybe that's uh, the best way to get kids involved is, like, to put them out there in the outdoors without, you know, they, you know, half the time they don't even know that they're getting to experience all this mm-hmm. cool stuff in the outdoors. They just think they're out there hunting. Yeah. And uh, and I think later on in life they're like, man, that's really what I enjoy the most about it is just being out there and, and observing nature. And then, you know, maybe that becomes their passion where they get to go out and observe nature all the time yeah. and not yeah. just not just hunt but i don't know that's something I, i'm struggling with now because i'm like i don't want to push you know the whole native plant thing on my on my son too hard because mm-hmm. that's my parents were both into my dad was like a huge boy scout which i was an eagle scout too but i didn't love it like he did and my mom was into sports and i just like went the opposite direction of both those and so I, that's like i don't want to push my push that on my kids too much but i think just like having them out there uh doing you know hunting or fishing mm-hmm. or 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 hiking or whatever anything yeah. just well, outside yeah and i always say too when it comes to attracting wildlife and observing wildlife a lot of it not not all of it but a lot of it's exactly the same whether you're hunting or photography or bird watching or whatever the basics are the same the only difference is, what do you do when you see them? Are you shooting them with a gun, a bow, a camera, or just yeah. with yeah. your mind capturing the pictures as mm-hmm. you watch them through binoculars? Yeah. There's a lot of similarities in there. I mean, we always want to try and say hunters versus non-hunters or divide them out, but I see commonalities in there mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. How do you guys address people who don't care about native plants at all, or maybe even appreciate invasive plants? I guess those are kind of two separate groups, but there's a, a large, I know uh, at the beginning of this meeting was, um, uh, we were addressed by the uh, director of agriculture for Kentucky. And one of the things he said is how there's, uh, what's the word he used? Um, when, you can't, when you don't know how to read and write. What's that word? I can't remember. But anyway, uh-huh. he was saying that people don't know where the food comes from and how it's important to, and he gave off all these statistics. And you Southern, you mean? yeah he said there was like food illiteracy and the people just didn't know where their food came from and listed off all these statistics yeah. that were kind of showcased that and um but the same thing happens with plants and people don't always know but how do you guys address uh when you come across someone who doesn't maybe doesn't know or just doesn't care about native plants you got it first, Shannon. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I think it depends on the situation. I mean, if it's obvious that they absolutely don't care and nothing I say is going to change their mind and they're really not looking for my opinion or asking my opinion, 
or something like that, then I think there's a time when you just have to turn around and walk away from it mm -hmm. and just, okay, I, it's not going to matter. So why am I wasting my time? All it's going to do is make them really dig their heels in more because let's face it, none of us like to be told no. something. Mm -hmm. um, and it just makes us more opinionated as to whatever our opinion is. So I just yeah. back away from it and let it go. Um, other times, if they're open to the discussion, I try and have a discussion with them mm -hmm. and find find out why they think what they do mm -hmm. and understand from their perspective because that's what I'd want somebody to do for me and then try and work with them yeah. from there. Yeah, that's so, you know, it, it really depends on, like, because I, I do a lot of door knocking and talking to people. And so if I see, like, they're a cattle farmer or they might have, like, a my son is an Eagle Scout sticker on the back of their car or, like, a, you know, they're wearing camo or something. I can, like, figure out what they're interested in and try to tie those native plants into that. Like, hey, mm -hmm. I noticed out here you have a bunch of gama grass. And, like, this is really good for, this is, you know, if it's a cattle farmer, I'm going to say this is really good for grazing. Mm -hmm. Or if it's a, um, if it's a, deer hunter I'm gonna say you know if you like hunting gamma grass is, is great quail habitat or it's, it's a great turkey habitat and, oh and it's like or it's like good brooding and, and fawning and nesting habitat so it depends on the person and like I, I'll uh, I'll uh, kind of tailor it to who they are a lot of times you know I there's you know in the south there's a lot of religious people and so you know if they're like Oh, uh, you know, I, I hate that stuff out there. I've been trying to get rid of it forever. I don't know what good it is or whatever. I'm like, well, you know, somebody put it here for a reason. Mm -hmm. And if you're if you, if you think there's no reason for it to be here, then whoever whoever created this messed. Yeah. You're saying they they messed up and didn't know any know what they're yeah. doing. And like, you know, that might be. I don't, sometimes that might be the way you get across to people. But it just really depends on who they are and yeah. and, and what their their beliefs are and and. Mm -hmm. uh, and what their passions are, but how about you? I was going to say, that's an interesting approach uh, with tying it to religion, because I'd never considered that before. Yeah. But also, we live on the East Coast, and not to yeah. say people aren't religious, but there's a... Yeah. It's not like other parts of the country, I guess yeah. is what I'd say. But that's one of the things I've always appreciated mm -hmm. about the Land and Legacy podcast, too, yeah. is they really tie what they're doing to their faith. And uh, I've always admired that, that they yeah. aren't ashamed of that, because I think a lot of people would be. They look at it and say, "Well, this is; these are two separate things, and I should, I shouldn't be yeah. putting them in the same place." Yeah. But they're they don't they aren't ashamed of that. Is that no. something I've admired? No. And uh, no, but no matter what your beliefs are, whatever. Yeah. I mean, this was there was an ecosystem here before us mm -hmm. that was that worked really well together. And then now, and then. Yeah. oh, you can come and talk to us too if you really want to. We're, we're recording a, a podcast real quick, so but you can say who you are since you already interrupted us a yeah. little bit. You yeah. can say who you are. At least chime in. Hi there, it's Tammy Horn Potter. I'm the Kentucky State Apiarist, and I'm looking forward to chatting with folks today. Fantastic! Oh, that's yes. awesome. And you're giving the presentation in this room next. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So, awesome. So, oh, so you're into bees? You know, native plants. Yeah, native plants are great for bees. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what we're, that's what we're talking about. about, trying to yeah. win people over to native plants. So. Well, Tammy's done a lot of work too um, in the Appalachian Mountains with the coal um, oh, mines and awesome. re revegetating and reforesting and re working with those as well. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. We have very little coal mining in North Alabama, but the far northeast corner 
there's some reclaimed ground that we're working with and so it's kind of a new world to us you'll have to deal with that a lot more yeah. up in kentucky to, to stick on coal for a second we have uh we don't technically have any coal mines in new jersey but anyone who's familiar with the the cult classic movie zoolander knows of one coal mine that was apparently in northern new jersey it's not really a coal mine it was a um not a gemstone mine they'd mine uh inflorescent rocks and they had a lot of like rock. I've been. I went on a tour when I was a kid, and you go in and they could like pick up all these rocks and you put them under black light and they glow different colors. I think they mined something else there too, but that was just like a byproduct they had. Mm-hmm. But yeah, on that movie, it's like we were. I didn't know it at the time. I'd like actually just watched the movie, and then we're. I'm there with my friend, and we're going on this tour, and we come out the one side and was like, yeah, and this is where they filmed some movie called Zoolander. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I just watched that. <laughs> so I thought it was funny, yeah. but I have I have never seen it. Yeah, Mm-mm, yeah, it's it's a little it. weird. It's definitely a little weird, but it was pretty funny. And then, uh, especially when they're saying, "Oh yeah, there's a coal mine in New Jersey." Yeah, no, we we don't have that. <laughs> no, no, that's funny. <laughs> but well. but yeah, mm-hmm. for for me, um, when addressing different people, is again same again the same thing. Just you got to find out what they're interested in. If they aren't interested in I brought it up earlier. They might not be interested in plants, but they might like butterflies. And might, like a lot of people love hummingbirds, and they go mm-hmm. out and yeah. buy those feeders. And it's, yeah. why don't you plant some cardinal flower? Yeah, uh, we're accused by one of our neighbors of stealing all the hummingbirds in the area. They never come to her hummingbird feeders anymore. But we planted a like acre patch of cardinal flower right down the street, and she's yeah. like upset with us that we did that. <laughs> well, see, that's the other thing too is that we always think of hummingbirds as mm-hmm. just drinking nectar. So you put yeah. out the feeders, and that's the only thing we ever talk about. But 80% of the hummingbird's diet is small, soft-bodied insects. So when we're planting those native plants, even if the hummingbirds don't use that flower directly, and they use a whole lot more than just red tubular flowers, but even if they're not directly drinking nectar out of that flower, I've watched them around a lot of my flowers. They'll just come up to it, and you can watch them snatching little bitty bugs mm-hmm. off, yeah, um, yeah. around or off of it, and it's so cool. And so when you do the native plants, you're creating this ecosystem um, that's got everything there. Yeah, and you did a podcast on that recently, mm-hmm. didn't you? Yeah, I listened to that yeah. one. That was it. That I was awesome. That one. I'm gonna have to check that one out. No, that one was it's, good. It was really eye-opening. Yeah. Uh, on how, you know, I think a lot of people mess up when they're trying to uh, get hummingbirds to come to their property. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one thing I I don't know how to crack it is. I only know how to address people who are at least interested in something outdoors, like whether it's hunting, fishing, birding, hiking, that kind of stuff. It's easy to get them to at least acknowledge the importance of native plant. It's the, and I bring this up on our podcast all the time too, it's the person who they want to sit on their couch on a Sunday and watch a football game and drink a beer. How do I get that person interested in native plants? You look at the research, some of the stuff mm-hmm. Doug Talmy's talked about, and we need to get more of there's only so many people who are into the outdoor activities and they're they're going to be interested in native plants how do we get the general public to yeah. maybe not be interested in native plants but use native plants as part of their landscape i think part of it comes down to concentrating on those who are interested in it mm-hmm. yeah. and then as native plants become more common I think in the landscape gardening Mm -hmm. and people are starting to use them more well then others might become interested and say oh that's just a cool plant 
Yeah. They might not care yeah. anything about the ecology about it or that it's native, but oh, that's just a pretty plant, let me plant it too. Mm -hmm. So they're doing it for purely horticultural aesthetic value, mm -hmm. but it's still going to have some other value yeah. to it. But also, I have trouble trying to force that, force the native plants, force ecology on the people who have absolutely no interest in it. Um, yeah. Because I don't care how much somebody talked to me about how great football and beer are <laughs> that's not my thing yeah, yeah. and you're never going to get me to sit on the couch and drink beer and watch football all the time so i kind of look at it from both directions mm -hmm. too and trying to find that balance the, yeah. my biggest thing is okay then how do we not how do we help them not do harm yeah, with it exactly um th that's it's, more than what i'm for those people more what i'm interested in than the let's make them total native plant backyard ecology mm -hmm. converts, um, yeah. homegrown habitat converts. There, there's a balance there, I think, that we have to yeah. acknowledge. Mm -hmm. and, and those are those are the people who aren't really necessarily paying attention when they go to the garden center on what they're buying. And so if there's something being sold there that is not good for ecosystems, then, you know, they're going to buy it and not think twice about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, making sure that those places where these plants and stuff are being sold, uh, you know, are 100% you know, not 100% native, but at least plants that aren't going to cause a lot of ecological damage. I think that's so important because there's a lot of those consumers that just don't care and they're, they're never going to care. And, and that's okay. I mean, everybody's different, but um, that's that's why I think it's important to pay attention to that. And I, I was never interested in landscaping. Like that was like the last thing I was ever mm -hmm. interested in, but I was more interested in restoring ecosystems. And so that's why I started my nursery. But then like 95% of the people who are buying from us or we're using those plants for their landscaping. And so I was like, wow, you know, maybe landscaping is important because a lot of these plants I've seen in the woods that are causing problems started in somebody's landscaping. And those started at a garden center somewhere. And, uh, and so now I'm like, people look at me as like the flower guy and like the, you know, talking about landscaping and stuff, but that's really not, mm -hmm. that's not even really my passion, but it's like, it has to be because that's where the problems are starting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And it's um, one of the things, I, and I want to ask this question to you guys too, but I just, uh, I just met a guy who works for um, basically Proven Winners. And I was talking to him at this conference, and he's like, yeah, I love native plants. And he's like, one of the things I'm really pushing is finding more native plants that we can make cultivars of and get them out in the landscape because there's some really good ones and that but that's their business model is you have to have a cultivar so you can patent it and and get out the door and uh and i guess the person who finds that plant from what i understood when he told it to me makes uh 20 to 40 cents every time that plant is sold so if they sell a thousand what well, they made 40 bucks if they sell a million now you're talking some some big money just for identifying that plant and then yeah. getting into their hands um, and that's just the royal or part of the royalty that comes along with it. Yeah. But um, what's what's y'all's opinion on uh, yeah. on on like landscaping with natives? Do you think we should try to make landscaping with natives look more orderly, or do you think we should try to get people to appreciate that you know native plants sometimes don't look orderly? Like which yeah. I mean, do you think it's a mix of both, or do you think it's possible to get people to appreciate that wild look in their landscaping or? I, think don't, it's I don't know how fast it'll change because that's and I've mm -hmm. talked about it on our podcast too where my home garden 
I started in the front yard, which I later learned that's not what you should do. You should start in the backyard and figure out what you're doing and then <laughs> actually make it look nice yeah, in the front. I, I made that mistake too. But um, so I started in the front and I, it's awesome. It's like, it's when you look at the front of the, um, or all the pictures Benjamin Vogue puts out and the stuff on his book and it's like that chaos in a way in that really well-maintained development. Uh, that's what our garden looked like. And, but I would get a lot of comments because people didn't get it. And they, now I'm saying, well, it's a native plant garden. And they'd say, well, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and if you kind of can market it the other way, I was like, I'd probably be better served to make it look really nice. And then when I say, hey, it's a native plant garden, they're like, that's really cool. I really mm -hmm. like this plant. I really like this plant. Instead of having that, in my mind, controlled chaos, but that like chaos that's really cool from my perspective because it looks like a meadow or a prairie yeah mm -hmm. but it, and it's functioning to that extent i was like a little micro prairie but um but it's not it's not socially palatable yeah, yeah. so i'm i was on one side where hey i want it to look natural yeah and now i'm kind of shifting saying i'd be better yeah. served in spreading this message yeah even though it might not have the same ecological benefit it'll still have a lot of the same ecological benefit, not all of it to have it a little bit more maintained and structured and approachable because yeah. then more people are going to say I want to do this too and then they yeah. can be crazy yeah crazy. yeah well, that, I think that's a great answer and that's mm -hmm. I think I want my landscaping to look wild too um, but you know in order to get people to want to plant native and not think that I'm uh, quote letting my uh, childhood home go you know yeah. like letting, yeah. letting yes not taking care of it. someone said that to you yeah. before yeah, yeah someone in your family no, or just, someone just the neighbors <laughs> and, yeah. and people in the community yeah. but uh, uh it's a uh, you know i think it's really important to to make that landscape and look good um mm -hmm. but also you know maybe tell people it doesn't have to always look mm -hmm. like this so i think a mix of both maybe but uh, i've found that it's easier to keep up if it's uh if it's just wild and like, you know, there's a lot of things that want to yeah. fill in between those gaps mm -hmm. that aren't supposed to be there. And, and so uh, having it just look like a thicket of grasses and wildflowers is easier to maintain, but mm -hmm. doesn't look the best to people. Yeah. 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 And Shane, what do you do for your home garden? For my yeah. personal garden, I'm involved in so many different things and I like the wild and crazy look that mine is definitely wild and crazy and yeah, I get the same type of comments and worse than you do, Kyle. Um, and from people who have no right to be saying because they have no interest in it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Just random people. But um, yeah, I think it really is. I don't think there is a right answer. Mm -hmm. I think it's the uh, ecological, botany, biology answer. It depends. Yeah. It really yeah. is meeting, I mean, if somebody that was in town, yeah, we've got to go with the neater, more formal mm -hmm. yeah. style. Yeah. Um, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, so I can get away with a lot wilder and crazier. Yeah. Um, it's and, and I think there's a, there, it's not one or the other. There is a mm -hmm. very different, yeah. uh, definitely yeah. a spectrum on there. And people will move through that spectrum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess that's like, I guess it all depends on your personal goals. Mm -hmm. It's if you want to just have something that's probably the most ecologically functional, yeah, having something that's a little bit wild looking or more wild looking is probably the best option. Yeah. Like, and that's where my goal changed because that's what I wanted at first. Mm -hmm. And then, as our basically as our podcast took off, I was like, well, people are now looking at me 
not as an expert, but as someone who has some influence in this sphere, I should probably make it palatable and not something that's going to turn people off. Right. So my goal changed. Is really what happened, and that's why my I still prefer the wild, crazy look. Mm-hmm. But what I'm trying to accomplish with it and make it kind of a showcase where I can say, hey, look at this. This is what you can do with native plants. And now you're not mm-hmm. just having something that's beautiful, but also helping. Um, yeah. Yeah. But. And with my property, I'm kind of in that transition period too because I've always gone wild, crazy, whatever. But I'm starting to get to the okay, maybe around the in the immediate vicinity of the house, mm-hmm. having more traditional landscaping style, but with mm-hmm. native plants, and then as you get further away from the house, go wild and crazy yeah. and more yeah. natural and having that blend in that transition even on my own property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I had the same on mine. And like the, you know, the other, so the other day I found a prairie remnant at a boat ramp and I made a bunch of phone calls and got it designated and they, cause it was just being mismanaged. There's a bunch of kudzu, but we're gonna permanent or purposely manage it as a prairie. And it's gonna be awesome cause it's four acres is surrounded by road and it's going to be in the eyes of the public to where they can see what a prairie is supposed to look like in Alabama because mm-hmm. there's not any good examples. But it's cool that the public's going to be able to see it, that wild look and what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. But there's all, it's also cool when you know somebody's using native landscaping in a public area where people can see that and yeah. see mm-hmm. what it looks like and see that it looks good. So I think there's there's definitely uses for both yeah. that, that wild look and that yeah. manicured. Yeah. The question mm-hmm. I was going to get at earlier was, what is your stance on cultivars? Because m- mine's, again, mine's kind of changed as I've talked to more mm-hmm. people and learned new things. And But I want to know what you guys think when it comes to cultivars for, for home gardening. Not, I think we're all in agreement that you shouldn't use it in any restorations. But for, for home gardening, okay or, or not? I'll let you take this one first, Kyle. Yeah. I had to take the first, other one first. Oh, gosh. Um, I think... It's a case by case situation. Uh, I have, I probably have a couple on my property, uh, but you know, it's, I don't, I don't like actively look out for them. I know that, um, I know that Mount Cuba has like a flocks mm-hmm. that is like, that is is a lot more. Yeah, they have attractive a, to pollinators. It's a flocks paniculata gina, is yeah. one that's really yeah. they've, with all their studies they found that one. So, more so than species attracted. Yeah, and so, then uh, Minarda, Didyma, Jacob Klein, they found that one attracted way more hummingbirds than the, the species, and then a variety of, the species was still pretty high up, but that one was way ahead yeah. of so, all the other cultivars. Yeah, in that case, I would probably be totally on board, because it's gonna, it's serving a purpose, and it's and it's helping wildlife, but if it, if it was a cultivar specifically based off looks, um, I, haven't, I haven't purchased anything based off that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's going to be better for wildlife and serve its purpose better, I'll use a cultivar. But you know, also if there's if it's an area where I need a, you know, if I need a mountain laurel or something and I need it to be shorter, uh, you know that I don't know. As long as it's serving the same purpose to wildlife and it hasn't been hasn't been altered in any way that it's not going to serve the same purpose, then I don't see mm-hmm. anything wrong with that. I think it's yeah. it's just like anything else with native plants or any I mean any any other situation in the world it's all case by case situation uh-huh. and, and it depends and we we said that they're not mm-hmm. a bunch it yep. just depends yeah it depends yep. yep yeah yeah and I'm kind of in the same place um definitely like you said once we get out into 
restoration work or wilder areas, even pollinator plantings on a larger scale, like acres, yeah. definitely go straight species. Um, I encourage straight species. That's pretty much everything I've got on my property is straight species. But I work with people and talk to people all the time. And sometimes maybe the straight species isn't the best. I mean, I was talking to somebody um, in town last summer. They wanted to do, it was a commercial business and they wanted to do a native planting, um, native plant planting in this one bed. And I recommended a couple cultivars because I knew they would stay the right height and they wouldn't go crazy. Whereas the straight species should have stayed within the realms of what they want, but genetics can vary. And I knew it was also within the genetic possibility of that species for that one seed, for that one plant that they got to be one that wouldn't fit their purposes. Mm -hmm. But I could recommend a cultivar that would definitely do it. And I was yeah. like, okay, in this situation, you're in the middle of an urban area. Yeah, of course, we want to have a little bit stricter. And so I had no problem with that. Now, when you start changing leaf color and flower color mm -hmm. and all of that, well, then that's like you were alluding to, Kyle, has a much greater chance of changing what it's doing from an ecological standpoint, the pollinators that it's attracting, the insects it's attracting, and all of that. So I'm starting to get a lot more leery about those yeah. things. Yeah, I've really softened up on my stance. I used to be very much, hey, you need to plant, doesn't matter if it's home, yeah. wherever, you mm -hmm. need to plant species. And then... Um, then I just, it was really through the podcast and discussions on there and then stuff, discussions about the podcast I had with other people. And I'm like, you know, if you're just planting, let's say you're taking a purple cone flower and you just plant one in your garden, it's basically the same. It doesn't, now local ecotype is different, mm -hmm. but if you're just taking one and it doesn't, maybe it's local ecotype, maybe it's not, it's basically a cultivar in a way. That's a selection you made unknowingly, but you made and now you're putting one there. Even when you get into the two or three, it's like when you have populations that's when you get a lot of genetic diversity but so i'm like hey, you know what for home gardening i think it makes a lot of sense especially with the work mount cube is doing where they're taking mm -hmm. wild type selections testing them and finding what they've found to be the most garden worthy for our direct area and i think they're doing some more like chicago botanic garden there's different mm -hmm. little pockets across the company that are doing this like it kind of makes sense you want these people to be successful people are maybe this is the first native plant they're buying mm -hmm. and you want them to be successful so i used like i said i used to be really against it now i'm kind of i wouldn't say i'm pro cultivars but i'm definitely uh i see the value in them and then even more so like i was saying i was talking to that guy from proven winter if we're gonna combat invasive species and even some of the non-natives and we want to have more natives ended up in in those yards it's we're not gonna make that happen mm -hmm. by trying to take them head on there's yeah. just too much yeah. money behind them and yeah. like, maybe this is something we should collaborate on yeah. and help them do it the way we'd like to see them do it and uh i'm really worried about native plants being kind of corrupted by big horticulture which is a thing big horticulture is a real thing and all the money that's behind them and kind of driving it and it's going to be a flash in the pan fad and i want to see it be successful and kind of push some of these the barbarian and the bears yeah. and all that kind of push that out and start to bring in some of these and if bringing it in through wild type cultivars is how we can do it 
then I'm all aboard for that. Yeah, but. Netflix, if you're listening, Tom's wanting to do a docu-series on <laughs> big horticulture. <laughs> yeah, taking down big horticulture. I wonder yeah. what I'd name it. I haven't come up with a name for that yet, but yeah, that, w- well, that would be pretty funny. There's got to be some good yeah. names. Yeah. Oh, was, yes. I always love watching those shows, too. But I'm just looking at the time, and we were saying we might do this for half an hour, and yeah. uh, it's been well over that. So now we get to fight over who's going to put this out and <laughs> and <laughs> all that. So, But, yeah, no, this was a lot of fun. So we could probably yeah. do this for a whole yeah. hour, two hours, three hours. Four. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> we could probably make a whole day out of this. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm looking to do more of this as um, we start going to some conferences again and there's a whole bunch of people here that I want to talk to at some point, whether it's here or elsewhere. So, no, I'm glad we got to sit yes. down and do this. Yeah. Yeah, it's thanks awesome. for, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Thanks for doing cool. it. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yep, thanks. Thanks.
Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.